0: G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we're talking about all those risky and injured players and where should you draft them. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! Bryant, to shot! game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. LeBron with no regard for human life! He's basketball! G'day, and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys MBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Today, we are going to be talking about the quote-unquote risky players um, in your drafts, players who are either labelled injury-prone, have had a history of injuries in the past, or are currently injured at the moment, and basically where I think that they should be targeted in your draft um, so then you can decide if they're going too early or too late, and hopefully, uh, and, and, and again, just my general attitude towards drafting these risky players and what I'm doing in drafts and how I'm approaching them, because sometimes it can lead to lots of really good value, and sometimes it can be too much risk to take on and it can derail your season. So it is a tricky thing to navigate. Um, I'm recording this on Wednesday, the 5th of October. If there is any major injuries or anything that happens between now and when I release this podcast, I will probably cut in another edit to this one as well. So... Um, Hopefully, nothing happens between now and then, and, and we have a good run of health, and there's no more injuries to start the season, but this is where we are going to be talking about these guys. Before we get started, if you haven't already, go over to ballboysnba.com and subscribe for our season draft guide and get all of my rankings um, and all of the extra Q&A podcasts, which will be happening throughout the uh, normal season. Just 10 bucks to sign up for that one for the whole year. Um, if you sign up, don't cancel the subscription, you will not you will lose your access to the season guide. So once the season is over, I'll be cancelling all subscriptions. So don't worry about getting charged again. 10 bucks the whole season and you get all of my rankings and extra podcasts throughout the season. So now that that's out of the way, let's get stuck into the first player. Now, I wasn't even going to put this guy on here, but I thought I should talk about him. Damian Lillard is the first guy we'll talk about. To me, abdominal surgery last year, missed the majority of the season, was pretty bad before then. By all reports, he's good, healthy, ready to go. The moves that the Portland Trailblazers made in the offseason make me think that he is um, he's doing well. I'm taking him at his word that he's feeling better than ever. I do really think that we're going to see Damien Lillard that we are used to seeing um, maybe after the first few weeks. He might be a little bit rusty to start the year, but he's, he's typically a punt field goal percentage guy anyway, so... Um, he's kind of like the only guy in the first round that when I'm drafting him, I'm automatically just going into a punt, field goal percentage build. Um, but yeah, I just, I think that he's a first round guy, top 13 at least. I think there's a pretty clear top 13 players. Um, so for me, not worried about Damian Lillard at all. I'm expecting him to sort of be the guy the the normal Dame that we've been accustomed to seeing. So for me, not too concerned about him. Kyrie Irving is another guy, a bit of a hot name in terms of risky players, maybe the poster boy for this, uh, this kind of topic for me. I'm, I'm getting Kyrie in a few leagues. I've got him in the locked on fantasy basketball at pick 17. I'm happy to take him as high as 14 in drafts. I think there's a clear top 13 for me. Um, You know, some of those late guys, Carthony Towns, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Lamelo Ball, those kind of guys going towards the back end of the first round I would have in front of Kyrie. But as soon as all those guys are off the board, Kyrie Irving is the next guy that I'm taking. He has top five upside per game in fantasy basketball. He hasn't had an injury really for the last 12 months, 18 months. The vaccination stuff is all... Sorted. He's not going to be restricted in any arena. Um, even Toronto has lifted their sort of vaccination um, mandate over there for um, NBA athletes. So he's fine on that front. It is Kyrie. He's going to maybe miss some games with some weird, I don't know, personal things. But the second round is full of injury-prone, risky players. There's him, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, um Jimmy Butler, you've got Fred Van Vliet and those kind of guys. A lot of them, Paul George, some people consider injury-prone. There's a lot of guys, LeBron James is turning 38. There's just a lot of risk in the second round. So for me, why not take the guy that has the highest upside of that entire group, the guy who's not injured right now. He's younger than a few of those guys. I just think that Kyrie Irving is the best bet, the best gamble to take in that second round, assuming you've gone someone... um, pretty safe in in the first round. So for me, I've been pairing him with Jason Tatum a lot. I think that's an awesome start to my draft, especially if you're going to go with like a punt blocks kind of a build, which I'm really liking this year. Um, So Kyrie Irving to me is someone that I'm happy to take after the big 13 off the board. Really excited to see what he does this season. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see 60, 65 games from Kyrie Irving this season, um, which for me is... Pretty close to league average. Um, Crossing my fingers that that's the case because I think he's going to be someone who... He was winning a lot of people their fantasy basketball um, playoffs last year. Yeah, he might have stung you in terms of getting to the playoffs, but those who were maybe able to get him off the waiver wire whilst he was out, or guys who were able to still make the playoffs with him on the roster, he um, he was a game changer down the end because he was maybe a top three guy in that stretch. So really, really good fantasy player and someone who I have no issues drafting in the second round. The next guy, again, another second-round guy, Anthony Davis, is someone who, obviously, the day-to-Davis tag is uh, legitimate. He's missed a lot of time. He gets little injuries all the time, always seems banged up. But this guy has been a perennial first-ranked player in fantasy basketball in the past. The free-throw percentage is really the killer here. He's also dropped a little bit in rebounds. The scoring has dried up from his sort of peak season's so, for me, I don't necessarily think he has the same upside as Kyrie Irving. Um, although, in a punt free throw percentage build, it could be considered equal. So, for me, if you're, if you're happy to punt free throw percentage, and if you've got a guy like Luca or Giannis, easily happy to pair him with one of those guys as my second pick. If I'm not as keen to punt free throws, or I'm not too sure yet, he's kind of like a, uh, a late second guy for me in that case. But... For me, I still think that the upside is there compared to other players like uh, a Fred Van Vliet, um, even a Kawhi Leonard. I'd rather take Davis over Kawhi. I'd rather take, you know, Davis and LeBron are, are pretty close to me depending on how much you value blocks. Blocks are just going to be so hard to find in abundance this season. Davis is one of the few guys that can do that and still contribute in scoring. Um, steals are decent, the assist from a big is nice as well. So for me, Anthony Davis still has the amount of upside that you need to take someone as risky as he does in the second round. So um, I'm kind of reading these guys off in, in, a, in a order in which I'd be happy to draft them in, but obviously there are different asterisks depending on your team build. But for me, Anthony Davis is someone I'd consider Articari Irving, but before a lot of those other guys that are a bit more risky the next guy on the board here that I'll talk about is Paul George. Paul George is someone who, he had an a elbow injury last year. He's obviously had fractured legs in the past, but and a few little nicks and bruises here, but nothing really chronic uh, as far as I'm aware for Paul George. I'm not as concerned as he, as, as I am with him compared to Kawhi Leonard, his teammate. Now, obviously, he doesn't have the same upside as Kawhi, and he might still get rested because, just simply because that Clippers team is super duper deep. So, for Paul George, I'm not as worried about him as some of those other guys. So, again, he's a really good guy in the second round, especially if I'm punting field goal percentage or blocks or both. Um, he's going to give me great threes, great steals, um, good assists from a power forward eligible player. The free throw percentage is awesome. So for me, he's sort of a middle to late second round uh, option in a punt field goal percentage, kind of a build. And um, he might rest some back-to-backs here and there, but I'm not overly concerned about his um, riskiness compared to maybe someone else. I kind of see his level of risk below that of an Anthony Davis and a Kawhi Leonard, Um maybe higher than that of uh, of a devin booker who's going in the second round as well who seems to be like a really safe option in that in that area perhaps similar to that of uh, of a lebron james like that kind of a level of risk you could call it just the fact that the team is so deep and and they do have a lot of back to backs this season um you know, maybe he rests a few more. But I do expect him to get to 65 sort of games this season, which again, is pretty bang on league average. So uh, yeah, happy to take him in the second round. The next guy we're going to touch on here, which um, I almost didn't put him on here, but Fred Van Vliet is another guy who just because of the minutes he plays in Toronto, is a bit of an injury prone guy. He's had a few knee issues in the past. I'm I have liked me some Fred Van Vliet in the past, and I still do on a per-game basis, especially when you're punting field goal percentage. I just find myself gravitating away from him a lot come drafts this season. So I kind of see him more as like an end-of-the-second, early-third-round guy instead of like the second-round lock that I initially thought he was. I am just a little bit worried about his availability and the, the minutes that Nick Nurse pushes him to play. The knees make me just a little bit nervous. Either the minutes come down, his value drops a little bit, or the minutes stay up high and the risk is still there come your fantasy playoffs. So either way, I'm not super happy about it. And I just, um, yeah, I just find myself passing Fred Van Vliet in order to get someone I feel a little bit safer a lot of the time in drafts. I don't think his his ceiling is insanely high like these other guys um, to warrant maybe a pick in the second round. So I'm probably more keen to get him in the, in the third round than I am in the second, um, like I was initially in the preseason. But just I find myself, now that I'm doing more and more drafts this year, I just find myself wanting to pass over him more often than um, than I initially thought. The next guy here, again, you could be considering him as a second-round guy, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is a really tricky one. He's a really tricky one because it really depends on your league and your format. Um, in Roto Leagues, I would have him right behind Kyrie Irving. I think that he is someone who, in a Roto League, really shines in that format. Um, you don't have to worry about his terrible playoff schedule, which is something I should have mentioned with Paul George. I really don't like their playoff schedule this year. They've got a couple of back-to-backs, a couple of two-game weeks, and it's um, it's really rough. It's really rough. Make sure you look at your playoff schedule and when it is because if you end in, I think it's March 26th or March 19th, um, I'm pretty sure that they've got, eight or nine games in the playoffs, both of those both of those playoff series. And um, I think in both series, there's a couple of back-to-backs in each of those weeks. So he might even play um, a couple of weeks where he's got two game weeks in consecutive weeks in those playoff um, settings. So double-check your playoffs, double-check your roster and your um, schedule for those playoffs. Um, and Kawhi Leonard, for me, is someone who is starting to fade back towards the third round, sort of end of the second Start of the third. If I've got someone like a Jokic, I still, I'm still i pretty happy to take the swing if I get him on the turn and someone else I feel safer with. He's a top 10 guy in nine category leagues. A um, little bit harder to to form a punt strategy around, but you can punt blocks with, with Jokic and Kawhi and then get someone a bit safer um, to pair alongside him. I probably still prefer him over the next guy I'm going to talk about, although I could be convinced otherwise. I just think that... Um, outside of the restings, I think I'm a feel I feel a little bit safer from him getting an injury compared to the guy I'm going to speak about next, Jimmy Butler. Spoiler alert, um, and his upside is just that little bit higher. I think he's still going to be the guy. The threes that he contributes, the steals are awesome. Um, he's probably going to score more, if not the same amount of points. So, and the turnovers are probably a bit better. So, Kawhi to me, end of the second, start of the third. I did pass over him in our Fantasy Pro 20 team league draft and I drafted Drew Holiday instead. Now, I would have drafted Kawhi if it was a standard 12 team league. I think this was at pick 33. The only reason I didn't draft Kawhi at that spot is because it's a a five five, um, player starting roster. So, if you've got someone like Kawhi taking up 20% of your starting roster spots, that's a lot of value missing um, for 15 games of the year in that type of a format. But when it's the one of ten, it's um, it's a different story. Okay, you can handle it a lot better. So for me, in those deeper formats or those formats where you've got fewer starters, he um, he suffers a lot more. But in standard ten team start, so ten player starters, twelve team leagues, I think that he is yeah, that sort back end of the second round, early third for me. Um, Jimmy Butler, the guy I mentioned before, kind of a similar story to Kawhi, very similar in value. I don't think I'm. I'm not taking him in the third. And sorry, in the second round, he's definitely a third round guy for me. And only if I've got a team where I haven't mentioned any of the players that I've already talked about. So I want to have a really healthy team before I je- select Jimmy Butler. He can be a guy that maybe is a top twenty guy. Um, great in both percentages, um, steals and assists are nice. He's not going to give you threes. Um, rebounds and points are okay as well. So he's good. I just can't trust him. I just can't trust him and his body. And, and the Heat have always been taking it easy on him. Um, I think Tyler Hero is going to step up again this year. Bam, I think, he's going to step up this year. So I can just see a slight step back. He's a bit older than some of these other guys we've talked about. Um, so for me, just a third-round guy. I wouldn't let him fall outside sort of the top thirty-five, top forty, though. I think in that situation you're getting really, really good value, and it's a it's a good swing. But I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if you pass on him, even even in the late twenties, to go with some other other guys that you feel a bit safer in. Especially if you've got a riskier guy like a a Kyrie or or like a a Kawhi, Anthony Davis, all those kind of types. I wouldn't really want to pair him in in those kind of teams. Um, but if you've gone safe, say you've gone. Tatum and then a Devin Booker, then a Jimmy Butler, but I think, is fine to draft in the third round in a team like that. Um, so that's sort of where he lands for me. Next sort of guy, again, we're, we're moving down the draft board and, and where I sort of rank players. Chris stump's pusingas is uh, a, another favorite injury-prone, risky guy. We know he's an awesome fantasy player. Again, kind of similar to Jimmy Butler, top 20 potential. The blocks, especially this season, Hard to find, man. They're hard to get. There's an argument you could even take Chris Stapps ahead of a player like Jimmy Butler. I could definitely listen to that argument. Um, if you need those blocks, if you want a guy with good blocks and free throw percentage, in our categor- uh, categorical scarcity podcast, we talked about there was only eight players in the uh, entire NBA last year that put up one block um, and positive contributions to free throw percentage. And Chris that puts up... blocks per game, plus he shoots threes and scores 20 points. So it's just, you know, he's called the unicorn in the NBA. He's a unicorn in fantasy basketball. There's not many other players that do what he does. Um, So for me, the upside is warranting um, drafting him in the sort of late third, early fourth. So in the 30s, I think he's fine to go. Especially if you need those blocks. Um, again, similar to Jimmy Butler, I would want a healthy team beforehand. If I'm drafting him in the third, if I've got someone like a Kyrie, if I've got someone like an Anthony Davis, I'd, I'd probably want to wait till the fourth in the forties. Um, you know, and even then, it's it's still risky to pair two of those guys on the same team. It's the upside is there, and and it could be an awesome move. Um, it's just yeah something you've got to weigh up because if you don't need those blocks, well, then he's not as valuable. So it's something you've got to weigh up whether you you try and chase that, add that risk to your team. It could really pay off. Blocks are going to be very hard to come by this season and he could win you that category most weeks on his own back. Um, but... Again, the the injury proneness is legitimate. I, I think we haven't seen him play with Bradley Beale in Washington, so there's there's a little bit of volatility there uh, compared to Jimmy Butler, who's on the same team with the same guys. We kind of know what he's going to do. Chris Dubs is a little bit more volatile with his value, so I popped him behind him on this list. But I I could listen to the argument where you take him ahead of Jimmy Butler if you need those blocks. Um, so he again, yeah, in the thirties is sort of where I'd be happy to pull the trigger if I'm already pretty healthy. Miles Turner is the next one. Again, blocks the theme of this one here. He's an elite shot blocker. I always drop him down a little bit in my rankings just because when you block three blocks per game or 2.8 or whatever he did last season, even if you go down a couple, you know, half a block per game, it's still elite, but it's a lot of his value gone. Um, so high variance in that low um, low counting stat. He's obviously been up in a lot of trade rumors. I don't think personally, I personally don't think he's going to be on the paces after the deadline. I think Indiana will be trading him. He's a, a free agent at the end of this season, so they're going to want to get something from him. Um, they're floating his name out there. They're saying they're going to take two first rounds to, to move him. That might become one first rounder by the trade deadline. I think he's gone from the paces. So there's a little bit of risk that his value drops on a new team. However, I still think wherever he goes, he's going to be blocking shots. He's going to be a positive contributor in that category. He still will start, I would assume, no matter where he is traded. So I don't think his value will completely evaporate. It just might not be as high as it is right now. So for me, I'm still happy to try and take him sort of in that fourth round. I think that's a a fine place, sort of 35 to 45, I think is a perfectly fine spot to draft him. Like we said before, blocks are hard to find. He's a good free-throw percentage shooter. Won't score like Porzingis. Won't get as many threes like Porzingis. So his his per-game upside isn't as high as Kristaps. Um, but, you know, he is... I guess he's also a little bit injury-prone. I, For some reason, I feel like Kristaps is more injury-prone. But you could argue the fact that they, they... You know, one could play more games than the other. So... That, that is still there as well. So, for me, I've got him a little bit by, behind Chris Stamps just because of the added element of the trade scenario and the murkiness, murkiness there. Um, but, again, I still think he's going to be a good shot block no matter where he goes. So, yeah, happy to take him sort of close to pick 40 would be about right for me uh and then we're going to finish this little run of blocks guys with evan mobley just wanted to quickly mention him he has rolled his ankle this preseason they say he's going to miss one to two weeks i think he should be right for opening night so this to me doesn't affect how i view his value to me i see him very similar to chris Darps, turner and um those kind of guys in that kind of around maybe he doesn't have the upside although maybe he does um I could very easily hear the argument of taking Mobley ahead of those two guys um, that I just mentioned in Turner and Porzingis as your blocks guy. Just be aware of the free throw percentage. I wouldn't be comfortable projecting that that's going to improve. He wasn't a great free throw percentage in college. He wasn't in his first year in the NBA. So be ready for it to be a poor free throw guy. So better in a punt free throw build. Um, I'm expecting field goal percentage to come up. I'm expecting um, steals to come up and points to rise a little bit. The Mitchell trade does limit his absolute peak ceiling, but I do still think that he's got a little bit of upside from his season last year. And again, blocks. If you want him, you're going to have to go early. And uh, so for me, he's right in that mix, sort of the, the late 30s, early 40s for me, if you want a player who's a little bit safer than those other guys, in my opinion. Um, continuing along, back into some guards here. Shay Gilgis Alexander has sprained his MCL they're saying that you know he's touch and go they haven't committed to whether or not he's going to be playing in the opening um, the season opener I expect that he might miss maybe the first week of the season but then should be back pretty soon after that A lot of people before the injury were were worried about tanking this injury only further cements people's opinion I'm not as concerned but the Chet injury does have me a little bit more down on him than before. I just think that the Thunder won't be as good. Not the best thing starting off with an injury and missing training camp. However, he's he's an awesome player. I really like Shea. I think he's a great fantasy player. So for me, especially in like a punt threes team, I think that he is someone that can really, really be a difference maker. So I'm happy to take him sort of in the 40s um, similar kind of range to the guy that I'm going to, to talk about next in Chris Middleton. I'm not super concerned about this injury affecting him throughout the entire season. That just combined with his shutdown risk, which I'm less concerned about. But if your, if your playoffs go into uh, April, they go deeper into the season, then I would definitely knock him down maybe around. Um, but if your playoffs end on March 19, even March 26, sort of end of March there, I'd be happy to take him sort of mid to high 40s would be about where I've got him, which I think is a bit of value. I think he was ranked 58th last time I checked on Yahoo. So I I think there's a good bit of value there with Shea if you can get him in those 40s uh, zone and then, um, you know, you miss your first week, but that's fine. It's only one week and I think that first week is usually a bit weird anyway. So um, Shea, to me, is definitely fine in the 40s, as is Chris Middleton. Um, Again, uh, shoulder injury. Sorry, no, not a shoulder injury. Wrist injury, I think it is. No, not really concerned. Might miss a week or two, um, but should be back and doing his thing. Pretty safe guy. Upside, not as high as Shea. Um, you don't necessarily have the risk of the shutdown like you do, Shea. I personally would go SGA ahead of Chris Middleton just because of that upside and because I think he's just a better player. Um, and, and a lot of my leagues end in March as well. So for me, I'm going Shea over Chris Middleton, but very similar kind of a zone for, for both of those guys, in my opinion. Um Zion Williamson. Now, um, I, I I swing to and fro with with Zion and my thoughts on him. I tell you what, he looks he looks bloody good, doesn't he? He he um he looks fit, he looks strong. He's lost a lot of weight, and uh, he could be really good this year. Um, let's not get that twisted. I, I think he's an an amazing player. I think he could be something super special in this league. I've been on the record saying that I'm down on him when it comes to a fantasy point of view. I'm coming around to drafting him in the third or fourth round if I started with Luka Doncic and I'm punting free throws. I still don't really see the value in drafting him any higher than the fourth round if I started with someone like a Giannis and then I've got an Embiid on my team and then I've got someone like Sabonis. I, just, I don't see the value on stacking all of that field goal percentage in your team and just being so astronomically better than every other team in your league. I just think that that's it's a bit overkill, um, and a lot of his value is tied up in that field goal percentage. Yes, he's going to score really well, um, and points is something that is hard to find. But I think I'd rather draft someone like a ja Morant and get a bigger boost to my assists um, in that kind of a in that kind of a build, um, or, or just get someone who's a, who's a good point scorer that maybe just does something else and doesn't have the injury risk like a Zion does. Um, But in that Luca build, I think when you need that field goal percentage, it does make a lot more sense for me. So I'm happy to take him in the third round with that kind of a build. But anyone else, like if I started with Giannis, he's he's probably a fourth rounder for me. Um, yeah, just don't see the need to stack up so much field goal percentage on my team, um, especially when you can get guys like Clink Capella, Mitch Robinson, Yuka um, Perdle. You can get those big field goal percentage boosters later in your draft um, if you're not caring about free throw percentage. It's it's not a very hard category to find um, late in drafts throughout the middle range round, uh, rounds. So for me. The value of his um, uh, field goal percentage in that kind of a team doesn't doesn't make it as worthwhile. In saying that, though, yeah, I, I think the risk is still there. They'll take it easy on him, but the fact that he's looking so trim and he's looking like shredded Zion, it does it does ease my mind a little bit. Um, but I just don't think we should throw it away and start drafting him in the second round. I think that's that's getting a bit too excited. I think that you know drafting with on the turn of the second and third round it's it's just a bit too bit too um optimistic in my point of view and and you could really get stung there but God he looks good and and it could be this this is one of those ones where the risk could really pay off if especially if those defensive stats come. I don't think that they will, but if they do, he could really really blow up it's the defensive stats we haven't really seen it yet. we saw it in college. I'm not ready to say that they will come but if they do. Geez, it, it could be something special. So, yeah, I'm, I'm to and fro with my opinions on Sion, but at the moment, I still have him as like a third round in a Luca team, fourth round in a Giannis team, um, or, or if you've got an Anthony Davis or something like that. I still want him in the fourth round because, again, that's just too much injury risk on my team. So, Luca's team, and you've gone healthy in your second round, third round, I think, is fine. Um, Jamal Murray is the next guy we're going to talk about here coming off an ACL a lot of people get really worried about Jamal he started in a preseason game yeah he was rusty and I expect him to be rusty to start the season but I'm not worried about Jamal Murray at all he could easily be a top 50 guy he was a top 40 guy um, before his injury so I'm happy to take him anywhere inside the top 60 I think is fine Um, I'm sorry, not anywhere inside the top 60, but, you know, around that 60, 55 to 60 mark, I think is fine. I think by the time we're two months into the season, he'll be cooking and doing top 45 numbers. Um, Great free throw percentage, uh, should score about 20 points a night, you know, five assists, four rebounds, a steal, you know, two and a half, three threes a game. Uh, I think he'll be really good. I think he'll be really solid. So I'm happy to take him there. Very similar story to Ben Simmons, the next guy we're going to be talking about. A lot of people are off on Simmons. They say he's weak. He's, you know, he bitches and he moans. But I, I think when it comes to fantasy basketball, he is an awesome, awesome fantasy basketball player. Rebounds, steals, field goal percentage. He might be blocking some more shots this year if he plays a bit more center. Assists are nice. Um, yes, he won't hit threes. Yes, he won't score that much. But there are other categories, guys. He's he one of the most unique fantasy contributors in the game. And... um When you get a guy outside the top 50, top 60, who can be elite in several categories, uh, field goal percentage, assists and steals, and still provide you good rebounds and blocks for a point guard player. In those punt builds, and those punt threes, punt free throw builds, that is absolute gold. Um, So I'm not really too worried about his back injury. Um, Maybe he gets some rest throughout the season, depending on how the nets are going, but to me, I'm not, not too concerned about Ben Simmons. I think he's playing in preseason, which is a great sign. Um, he's appearing a lot of uh, media things, which is good. He's going on podcasts and all this sort of stuff, talking about his issues and the dramas and stuff like that. So to me, those are all really good signs. Um, I've typically been quite high on Ben Simmons. So maybe, I don't know, this is an optimist talking, but I do like him. I'm Again, similar to Jamal Murray, happy to take him around that 60 mark. And I think he's going a bit later in that, than that in draft. So there's some good value there. Uh, we'll go through these next guys a little bit quicker. Clay Thompson, um, injuries uh, should all be okay. He's sitting out on a few preseason games, but I think he will play a little bit next week. Um, I've recently drafted him in the Locked On Fantasy Basketball I think I got him at pick 77, 78. So I think that was fine for me. Um, I did need his points. Uh, I drafted Chris Paul a little bit earlier, so I was a bit a bit of a hole in points. So I needed a guy who's going to give me 20 a night. Um, Clay does that. He was top 70 last year, although I don't really want to draft him top 70. I think that that would be maybe his ceiling. I'd want a little bit of a discount because I think he will rest some back-to-backs. Hopefully, I'm optimistic that the back-to-backs resting will be not a thing come fantasy playoffs. Maybe it might be something that they do to start the season, getting him back into shape and those kind of things. Um, But I think that the second half of the year, maybe they'll ease off on that, just depending on how the Warriors are going. I think there's maybe a little bit too much talk about a, a championship hangover. I don't think they're gonna just be playing their guys twenty five a night, playing every second game. I think he'll he'll still go out there and do his thing. So I'm not super concerned. Next guy here, Michael Porter Jr. I was never a big a big fan of MPJ to begin with. Um, two injuries to his back. He had the injury before his draft. Um, injured again last season. The field goal percentage has always been a worry for me. He was elite in that in his year where he broke out. Never really believed that that was going to continue at the level that it was. He'll be be high 40s in my opinion, but it's just not enough to really catapult his value like it was that season. Jamal Murray is now back, so he's going back to the third offensive option. Um, You've even got guys like Bones Highland stepping up. Uh, I don't believe he played with Aaron Gordon, Um, much before his injury last season. So to me, I think he's maybe got top 50 to 60 upside. Um, I'd want to add a bit of a discount at that. So for me, I'm not really reaching and, and grabbing him before around pick 70. Pick 75 to 80, uh, I would definitely consider him. Um, I think he was available at pick 92 in the lockdown Fantasy Basketball. I definitely considered him there. Um, I did take Klay Thompson the round before, so I didn't want to add too many of those risky guys. So I did actually pass him on at pick 92, um, and, and I think I went Tyler Hero instead. So... He was definitely in consideration for me. And if I had a bit more of a healthier list at that point, I would have taken him there at that point. Um, so, But that's kind of the range that I'd be happy to draft him in. I think if you're reaching inside the top 60, um, top 70, I think it's a bit too early. And I don't know if the upside is all that much higher. Uh, and the downside, I think, is, is somewhat considerably uh, there at that point. Carl Lowry. Older guy, um, personal issues last season. Uh, apparently, still might be lingering this season. Um, he was a top like fifty-five, top sixty guy last season. The Miami Heat's roster is pretty thin, um, in my opinion, at least anyway. So I think he's still going to be needing to play decent minutes, probably close to thirty a night again. He should be, um, you know, top seventy guy in my opinion. I'd probably happy to take him around pick eighty, pick seventy-five to eighty. Um, if you need those assists, um, the upside really isn't there. So I understand fading him even a little bit later than this, but um, yeah, he's just going to be solid. I'm not too worried about his body breaking down. It's more just the regression and how much th- those personal issues uh, impact him. Although I don't, I don't it, like expect it to be a massive issue. It's just more how much does he get worse with his age is really just the only thing that I'm a bit concerned about with Kyle Lowry. Um, now we're going to talk about some of the bigger injuries. Robert Williams. I was all in on Robert Williams being a third round, start of a third round kind of guy. Top 25 guy on my rankings. I loved me some Rob Williams. Going with the punt point strategy in that scenario and just getting elite percentages, blocks, good rebounds, assists from my center. But it's not to be this season. Um, The initial timeline was six to eight weeks. It ballooned out to eight to 12 weeks now, which... Basically puts him out for the first two to three months of the season. I expect he might be back in about December this season. Uh, maybe maybe towards Christmas would be my best guess. So it's, it's a tough one. He's obviously had multiple injuries to his knees. This is a reoccurring injury that he um, got surgery on before the playoffs. Came back probably too early. Didn't rehab it properly over the summer break, and now he's getting another surgery again. So it's something that's reoccurring. It does it does make me nervous. Um, so I probably would be okay to take him around the ninth round if it's going to be um, maybe one of my last starting roster spots bef- just before I start to fill out like my bench would be as early as I would go if I really needed the blocks. Um, he's got super high upside. I trust the Celtics reporting more than I trust the Grizzlies reporting. Don't know if I trust the Celtics um, medical staff but at least the way that they are reporting the injury news um, and the timelines I trust from a fantasy point of view a bit more so a bit more confidence that he will be back before the um, two thousand and twenty three portion of the season but yeah it does it does swing him down a fair bit um, to me in my eyes so you know around pick ninety to a hundred is about where i'd be happy to to take the the gamble on him. And again, if you don't need blocks, then you don't need Robert Williams. Uh, As simple as that. If you don't want blocks, then just completely ignore him because he's not going to provide enough value for that risk to be worth it. If you do need blocks, that's when you consider him. Um, But if you don't need him, just just write him off your board. The similar kind of story with the guy here, Jaron Jackson Jr. um, Similar kind of timeline as well. I think, like I said, I trust the Celtics reporting more than the Grizzlies. I, I kind of expect them to be back around a similar time. So, yeah, maybe maybe around later than Robert Williams. Ninth at the earliest. Again, similar if you really need those blocks and he fits your build. Um, I'd be happy to take that. If if you're desperate for a center, which I know sometimes can be the case, um, then you can go for him there. He does provide a little bit different things to Robert. At least he provides some threes and free throw percentage, better scoring. Um, so, there is a little bit more. There's a few more builds that he suits than Robert Williams. Um Ideally, you're getting him after pick 100, round 10, uh, maybe as your last starting roster sort of spot. Uh, Into the bench is amazing. If you can get him as like your first bench player in the draft, then I think that's awesome. Um, Although I think savvy fantasy drafters will get him before then. Um, So earliest I would go would be round nine. That would be about as well as I go. And a similar kind of story, if you really need the blocks, his value is much more improved. Um, Last couple of guys, Gordon Hayward. Around pick 100 is about where I'd have him. He should provide about top 70 numbers, in my opinion. I don't think he's got the top 50 upside anymore. I think he's just gotten past it. Um, Yes, Miles Bridges is not there, but I just don't think it's going to be Gordon Hayward that really steps up. He's just, I mean, he could could for stretches, but I just don't see him doing that for the entire season. I can't trust him at all. Um, Yeah, so for me, after pick 100, I grab him, hope he can give me top 70 numbers for at least a little while. If he gets injured, it's not the end of the world. Um, so for me, that's about where he is. Um, just pretty solid across the board. Not not super valuable in any one category as well. Also, kind of hurts him in head-to-head builds. And then the last one here is Lonzo Ball. Ah, uh, it sucks, man. I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan as a player in the NBA, as a fantasy guy. Um, you know, our podcast is called the Bloody Ball Boys. I love I love me the the Ball Brothers. It just, it just sucks the way that they've handled this injury. Just the rehab side, I think, is so bizarre. Um, I really wouldn't be drafting Lonzo outside of my last pick or two. So the last couple of rounds, maybe, if there's really not much upside on the board, sure, you could take Lonzo and then just grab someone else off the waiver of wire after your draft, but... There's some reports that he might not play this season. They're optimistic he's going to play. So I wouldn't expect him at all 2022. Maybe January, February this season, all-star break. Maybe. If you've got multiple IR spots, sure, you can grab him. But if you've only got the one or two even, it just might not be worth drafting Lonzo at all this season. The the reporting and what they're saying just sounds like it gets worse and worse every day. And uh, yeah, so something that was supposed to take six to eight weeks to now take... 12 months, it's just not not a good sign at all and and even when he is back, they're going to be really cautious with him, really slow with his return to to minutes, so yeah, for me, I'm fading Lonzo pretty hard now, um, definitely just kind of like a last round flyer when there's really not much else left on the board I'm sure you can take him there more more so in a, in, a, in a roto league as well, I think that's a bit better um, but if you've got multiple IR spots that's about where I'd have him, so That will do it today, guys. Let us know if you think there's anyone else that I've missed. I'm sure there might be someone I've forgotten. And again, if there is any updates, I mean, I probably would have already talked about it between now and then, but I'll update you guys along. Follow me on Twitter at BallBoysNBA. I will be tweeting out all my thoughts on injury-prone guys, draft thoughts, updating with my drafts. Um, Head over to BallBoysNBA.com. Get yourself a season draft guide and good luck with your drafts, guys. Laters.